Uh, this morning we are going to uh, start a new uh, series and we're just going to go through this book, 1 John uh, 1, and then we're going to go to, through 2 John and 3 John. If you're not really aware how we do our preaching here, we tend to go, we go through cycles. And we might, do, we might preach a lifestyle issue. So just recently we did a whole series on modern sexuality, uh, where we, we crunched through all of the difficult issues that we faced, through, and transgender. Remember we had Lib- Libby Littlewood, who had transitioned and then detransitioned back and what it meant to be a woman in Christ, you know, and all these sorts of things. The one area on modern sexuality that we didn't deal with uh, was pornography um, because uh, the the circumstances meant that we couldn't deal with it on that the day that we were going to preach that. Uh, But we are going to come back at some point. Trust me, we will... um, uh, deal with the issue of, of pornography. So we do, we, in our preaching series, we do lifestyle sometimes. Uh, sometimes we do themes of the Bible. And so we've looked at the signs of the kingdom of God, that sort of thing. And then mostly, to be honest, what we do is we take a book of the Bible and we just go through it. Because sometimes you, you, what you then have to do is you have to preach things that you, you wouldn't really normally preach. And so it's a really good way to understand uh, the full uh, nature of God. And so what we're going to do is now for the next uh, probably eight weeks or so, we're going to be looking at 1 John, 2 John and 3 John. Um, they're really short, very, very short uh, books of the Bible. If you like history and understanding when things were written and why things were, were written, you just need to know this, that the Apostle John wrote 1 John, 2 John and 3 John. And he lived to a ripe old age. And he mostly, he'd lived in Jerusalem for most of his life and when the church was established in Jerusalem. But then, does anybody know what year the temple in Jerusalem was destroyed? 72? When? 72? Oh, yes, okay, very, very good. Abby Kang, you get a mark. You don't need to go on leadership training and theological training, but in AD 70, between 72, the Romans invaded Jerusalem. It was this massive city where all the people of God gathered and the Romans just sacked it. They completely destroyed it. They destroyed it. And so a lot of the Christians that were living in Jerusalem, then they fled and they went to other cities. Many of them went to this city called Ephesus, which is in modern-day Turkey. And then if you go to Turkey now, you can still see some of the, bu- the extraordinary buildings. You can go and see the amphitheatre where Paul started a riot. You can go and sit in there. And you can see, oh, this is where it all happened. But uh, John, the Apostle John, went from Jerusalem and he went into Ephesus. And he grew to a very ripe old age. And Jerome, the early church uh, Christian uh, writer, used to say this, that uh, John the Apostle got so old that he had to be carried into the temple. Okay, I don't know where he got senile or whatever it was, but he was so old and doddery that they would carry him in there. And then he, would, he couldn't preach any longer. He wouldn't say a great deal, but he would just say this one thing. Little children love one another. And they used to say, and everyone used to say, this is Jerome was saying, why do you just keep saying that? Why do you just keep saying little children love one another? And he said, well, it's what Jesus commanded. And if you do that, you've done enough. So there is this man. He had been with Jesus. You know, he'd he'd spoken with Jesus face to face. He just said, love one another. And he had exceptional authority in the church. He must have been. If the church, if you were sort of, so in AD 70, 72, when Rome was destroyed, how long after that was after Jesus had been crucified? How many years roughly? 40. 40 odd years 
after Jesus had been crucified, here was this apostle still living. And so everyone would come up to him and say, oh, go and tell us, what was he like? How long really was his beard? What did he like to eat? What, what did he speak into your life? He must have had this extraordinary authority. He was the last living apostle that had been um, with Jesus. And so these books here are really worth reading. Because it's the stuff that John wrote as he got to the end of his life. He said, I can't preach any longer. I'm going to write it down. He didn't come from north, by the way. Okay, that's not... <laughs> But he just said, I'm going to write all this stuff down because you need to know. And so what you can say is that 1 John and 2 John and 3, it's like this back to basics. It's John, if you want to live a Christian life, the, these are the things that you want to do. And basically, he, he, um, anyway, he said it was, it was his back to basics. One of the things that John was really, we're going to read the, ver the verses, in, by the way, in a moment. Okay. One of the things that, that John was really countering was this, it was called Gnosticism, which was this belief that it was this like melting pot of loads of different things that looked like close enough to Christianity to some people think, oh, that's good enough. So they would take some bits from the Old Testament and they would take some bits from the New Testament and then they would add all sorts of other things in there as well, but they wouldn't read, and they would have funny, funny things about well, the physical life is, is inherently evil, therefore Jesus can't really have been alive. All the, and they melted them all in, and then John was just saying, no, that's wrong, that's rubbish. This is what I really want you to believe. And I think that the relevance of today is that, I don't know, I, I googled uh, yesterday, find the truth within yourself. I mean, that is a phrase that lots, lots of people have, wouldn't it? Find the light within yourself. And then there were all these images of people standing there like this and finding the light and all sorts of Buddhas and all sorts of things and lovely sunsets. And, and it was, but it was all nonsense because it was all about finding the truth within yourself. And John is saying this. No. The inherent truth is not within ourselves. It's within a person that I shared quite a lot of dinners with. Jesus Christ. Okay, so... Um, uh, should, we, should we read the verses now? Can we, Diana, could we go up to, uh, right, okay, so we, uh, does anyone like reading? Anybody? Yeah, Tosan, could you come and, and I, are you right? Oh, oh, do you want to read it from there? Would you rather read it from there? I don't mind, whichever you, you, you decide. Okay, you can just read that, okay, um, yeah, you can, can you read it from there? Okay, but before Tosin does, I've got two versions of the Bible to read. Does anybody else like reading? Come on, there must be, there's like <laughs> thousands of us here. There must be somebody. Oh, Michelle, okay, thank you. Have we got the other mic? <clears throat> so I've done it from, um, could you do it from, Tosin, can you do the ESV, that version there? And then Diana, if you go onto the next screen, and then it's a different version of the Bible. But if you could, can you read it from there? Is that right? All right. Cool. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and testify to it, and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father, and was made manifest to us. 
that which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us and indeed our fellowship is with the father and with his son Jesus Christ and we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. And then, and then this is the New English uh, version of the Bible. It was there from the beginning. We have heard it. We have seen it with our own eyes. We looked upon it and it felt and felt it with our own hands. And it is of this we tell. Our theme is the word of life. This life was made visible. We have seen it and bear our testimony. We have, we, sorry, we here declare to you the eternal life which dwelt with the Father and was made visible to us. What we have seen and heard we declare to you so that you and we together may share in a common life, that life which we share with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. And we write this in order that they, sorry, that, that the joy of us all may be complete. Brilliant. Thank you so much, guys, for reading it. Thank you. It's a little bit of a, an obstacle course to try and get to the end of it, but it's brilliant. I, I don't know how, how well you took that in, but we just need to... This is John saying, look, the, the person that we're talking about here, I've seen. I've touched him. I was with him. I know this, per this person that we're talking about. I was with him. And I am going to tell you all about him. And so what John is saying this, if you, the, the foundations of Christian life are this. If you want to live a good and productive and fruitful Christian life, know this. Be clear in your doctrine. Like, know what you believe. Know what you understand about God. That is why we love doing this, like, uh, like Christian leadership and theology training. No, because we have to understand what we know about God. Otherwise, we just make up all sorts of nonsense. So firstly, be clear in our doctrine about God. Live obediently. If Jesus is telling you to do something, guess what? Like, do it. If you want to live a fruitful life, and Jesus is saying, I really think you should be going off and doing, like, please just get on and do it. That's the whole point of church. The whole point of church isn't for us to be here to have some big jolly, and sort of like, then we feed it, and then we have a church that's growing and bigger and better and, and nicer. No, the, the point of church is that we all go from here thinking, I think I know what God's calling me to do. Therefore, guess what? I'm going to get on and do it. And there are some areas in our lives that there's no way, okay, that I could reach into and speak words of truth and grace into it. If you're under 25, okay, nobody's going to listen. Nobody's going to listen to me. What it needs is people who are under 25, full of truth and grace, to go and speak words of truth and grace into their lives. If Jesus is saying something to you, we need to be obedient to what he's calling you. So the first thing is to drop to true doctrine, know what God is saying. One, have obedient living. And then the third one is this, be full of fervent passion for Jesus. I am so bored with passionless Christianity. I just, I'm not, I can't be bothered with it. It just winds me up because God's done something so amazing in my life. I think, oh, I, I want the world to know. I just think it's really exciting. And the Holy Spirit comes in and changes me. And like before I'd be this timid, sort of like shy person, the Holy Spirit comes in and whoosh, God does something good in my life. And when we're talking about God breaking the hold of sin over our lives, guess what we need? We need the power of the Holy Spirit to come in. I will not break the, the hold of sin in my life if I just try harder. It's not going to happen. Yesterday, we had a meeting. This big box of chocolates in the middle of the thing. And like, it was like, 
10 o'clock in the morning. Who eats chocolates at 10 o'clock in the morning? Toast, you and me. I came in here and, and I, I just thought them, and automatically I had a fight with Cooley, because he likes the same chocolates that I do, and I thought, I'm just going to get some of those, eat them. And then I walked away and thought, what was I doing that for? It's nonsense. Why am I eating chocolate 10 o'clock in the morning? Just I know, I just had a really big breakfast. And then I thought, okay, Jesus, just give me self-control. Walk back in the room, what did I do? It's not, I can't do it by my own strength. I can't live a life that is honouring to God in my own strength. I have to know the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is what the book of 1 John is really talking about. John says this, that we're saved from a meaningless, drab and condemned life by repenting of our sin and putting our faith in who Jesus Christ, who he has met and he's seen and spoken to. That's the whole purpose. Um, okay. No, sorry, go back. Yeah, thank you. Uh, no, that, yeah, there. You choose. I'll go. <laughs> that first, first I'm not going to go through this line by line, by the way. That first phrase, that which first from the beginning. Does that ring any bells to anybody? In the beginning was the word. Okay, why is that connected to this? Abby Kang, you are going, you'll be teaching on that theology course soon. Okay. Why is it connected to this one? Yeah, it was written by the same person. John, the beginning of John's gospel, John's prologue, starts with this. In the beginning was the word. And then John writes his second letter, this other letter, and he says the same thing. In the beginning. And what's it, always, it also reminds us of Genesis. Right at the beginning. And what, what, what God is saying is that, what, what John is saying is this, that if you go right back to the beginning, before time, before there was anything, there was something. There was God. If you have anybody, an atheist or an agnostic, so an, an, an atheist is somebody who doesn't believe there is a God and an agnostic isn't really sure. But if you go back and, and they say, like, I just don't believe in God, you, you think, okay, well, there, there must have been some, what, something started it. And then they said, oh, well, it was all a big bang. You know, I think, yeah, but what, what caused the big bang? Well, there must have been something. And they say, yeah, but I just don't believe it's true. Okay, the one thing I saw, I, I've mentioned this a few times. If you drew, if you get an atheist or an agnostic and you drew this great big circle on a piece of paper, there isn't a piece of paper that I can draw on, great big circle on a piece of paper, and you say, that, that circle there represents the totality of knowledge about everything, about God, the world, and the universe. Now, just draw a line on there where you think the amount of knowledge that you have. Okay? So, if you have a great big circle like this, I think I would draw my line sort of like right up there. I think that bit there is what I know. This bit here is what I don't know. There is nobody in the world that's going to say, well, I just know everything. And therefore, if you've got somebody that says, I just can't believe in God, you can say, draw this circle, draw the line, and then you think, well, what happens if God exists in that bit that you don't know about? You don't know. <laughs> God could exist in there. But what John is saying is that in the very beginning, there was something and it was God and it was Jesus. Go back before anything was created and you will find God and Jesus together. And here John is saying that the same Jesus that I saw and talked and ate with and travelled with for years and years is the same God that was with God before the beginning of time. That's what he's, he's explaining. It. He's saying, no, life makes sense. You know that verse that says, all things come together in Christ? Well, this is what John is saying. No, all things to come together in Christ. 
And here John is emphasizing the fact that actually he shared his life with Jesus. He saw how he lived. He saw the miracles that Jesus performed. I mean, it must be absolutely mad to have seen some of those miracles. And we just think, yeah, well, that's what they did in those days. Well, no, no, it wasn't, actually. The miracles of feeding 5,000 people. And he repeated it again. The miracles of seeing people healed and restored. I mean, imagine seeing some of those things. Unbelievable. Imagine seeing your best friend crucified and died a pretty brutal death. You see him go into a tomb. And then a few days later, you think, oh, he's there. He's alive. What John is saying is that I saw this stuff. And, you know, there are lots of times people would doubt things. And, you know, I was talking with somebody just recently, and they were just saying, do you know, I think I'm just, just doubting everything. Stuff has happened in their life, and I'm thinking, I don't know if I'm just making this stuff up. And, and we've asked this question a few times. I'm sure there are probably very few of us in the, of us in the room who have not at some point said, are we just making this up? But what John does, he says this. I saw him. I saw him. I saw what he did. I saw the man that he was. I saw how he lived. Imagine that moment when when Jesus walked into all the disciples were together and they went, what? And then Jesus said, look, I know this is a bit, look, see this mark here? Stick your finger in there. Oh, that's gross. Just put your shirt down, Jesus. It's horrible. And you want me to put my finger in like a bloody wound? And he said, yeah, do it. Go on, do it. Stick it in there. That's where the spear went in, because I don't know if you know biology, John and the disciples, but actually when you... you know, he saw it. He saw the reality of who Jesus was. He saw him alive again. He saw the miracles. He saw the consistent way that he lived day after day in the reality of the love of his heavenly Father. He wasn't some spirit that just put on a human clothes, nor was he some human that just said some really clever things. What John saw in this man Jesus convinced him, this is the Son of God. And the thing is, you know sometimes when people tell their stories and their testimonies, and sometimes even when they've been baptised, you hear stories and you think, oh, I, I, I want to be baptised because... I like being part of church. I want to be baptised because I was made to feel really welcome. And that's it. Sometimes I'm not actually sure whether those people are really Christians. (laughs) Because unless we've met with Jesus, Jesus doesn't tell us about the good news. Jesus is the good news. It's just, it's Jesus. And even today when we were talking about all of these things about God helping us and things and things, no, Jesus won that for us. 
And he wants us for it in relationship. And that's why we pray, Holy Spirit, come and help. It's the Spirit of Jesus coming and helping us and living within us. But actually, we move that place from death to life by what we do is this. We just say, Jesus, I believe you. I believe what the apostles said about you is true. And I'm putting my hope in you. Jesus said this later on. He said, this is eternal life, that they know you the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Do you ever think it's a risk to build your life around somebody that you've never seen? Okay, I, I don't mean to just major on doubts, but I think sometimes we need to work through these things. I, I sometimes think, I, I'm, build, I'm building my life, not only my life, but like my, my job, you know, like... I've, I've, have I taken this thing so far that I'm just building my job even on somebody that I've never seen? I've never, I've never heard God speak directly to me. I've never seen him. I've been reading this book. Where is it? I'd really recommend it. Eugene Peterson, A Long Walk in the Same Direction. It's just a great book. He deals with all the all the pressures, the anxieties, the doubts in life. And, that, and Diana, if you could just go to the next slide, that'd be really helpful. Diana, is that right? Is it coming? No. Uh, oh, sorry, back, back. It's the one with the picture of... There you go. Um, right. Can I remember what was the first line? Oh my word, how did you do that? She's right, clever. Sorry. <laughs> okay, Christian discipleship is hazardous work. What is hazardous in my life? Every day I put my faith on the line. I've never seen God in a world where nearly everything can be weighed, explained, quantified, subject to psychological analysis and scientific control, I persist in making the centre of my life a God whom no eye has seen, nor ear heard, whose will no one can probe. And that is a risk. Every day I put my hope, I, I put hope on the line. I don't know one thing about the future. I don't know what the next hour will bring, yet still, Despite my ignorance and surrounded by tinny optimists and cowardly pessimists, I say that God will accomplish his will and cheerfully persist in living in the hope that nothing will separate me from the love of God. Just it makes sense. And what John is saying is, no, no, I have seen this man that you are now being encouraged to put your faith and trust in. There is no other way of joining a fellowship with, with, in the church. There is no other way other than through Christ. There is no other way to salvation. There is no other way to knowing joy and peace but by believing in Jesus. And then right at the end of the passage, if you just go on to the next slide again, what will be the result of this? John's saying, I've seen him and I'm asking you to put your trust in this man that I know and have seen. I'm not asking you to put your trust in a set of ideas, in a philosophy. I'm asking you to put your trust in this man who I was with. He says this, there will be 
joy and joy in great abundance. It says at the end, so, and I'm writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Later on, John says this, I have no greater joy than hearing that my children are walking in the truth. Happiness passes. Happiness is dependent on the sun rising. Happiness is depending on us getting a pay rise. Happiness is, happiness is dependent on having a, a nice holiday. But joy abides forever when our hope is in Christ alone. Let me just uh, to draw to a conclusion. John 16, verses 20 to 24, talks about joy so many times. Let me just find it for you. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You'll be sorrowful, but you're sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn to joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she's delivered the baby, she is no longer remembers the anguish for, jo for joy that a human being has been born into the world. And so also you have sorrow now. Sorry, I haven't got my glasses. That's why I'm stuttering. So now you also have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. And in that day, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive. And your joy will be complete. I just need to let you know that this joy is not dependent on our circumstances. In the last year, put your hand up if you have, if you have faced a troubling time. Nearly all of us. There is the lot of being a human being that sometimes life is difficult. Being a Christian does not make, that life, make sure that life goes swimmingly well. But what being a Christian means is this, that we're putting our faith in Jesus Christ and he gives us joy despite the circumstance. Joy that we have an eternity with him. Joy that I can, I can see Jesus face to face and know that he's not going to condemn me. Know that I can look at Jesus in the eye and he will look back at me and he's not going to say, Duncan, you idiot. Get away from me. You failed me one too many times. I don't want to be around with you anymore. I've got other people that are better, more committed, more passionate, more able, more gifted, more resilient than you. He says this, you're my beloved son. I love you. You're my beloved daughter. I love you. I am making you clean. Put your trust in me and in me alone. So I trust that over the coming weeks, as we dig into 1 John, we will understand this, that it is about Jesus. It's about John saying, I knew him. And I really want to tell you more and more and more about Jesus. And it's about us believing the apostolic faith of some of these people in years gone by and saying, no, this witness is credible and true. Can I ask you to stand? I'm just going to pray that the Holy Spirit comes 
and falls on us afresh. Father, thank you. It's always worth asking the question, do I need to step in to believing who Jesus is? Whether it's for the first time and therefore becoming a Christian, becoming a disciple, becoming a follower of him or have actually I allowed my Christian faith to become something other than about Jesus and if either of those things is true I'm going to invite you to repent and repentance as we've said before, is not just saying sorry for things that you've done that are wrong, but it's coming to this realisation that God has a better way for you than how you have been living, and you're going to choose to go God's way, not your way. So if you've allowed your, your Christian faith, your walk to become something other than about Jesus, you loved him once, but it's just become mixed up with all sorts of other things and maybe hurts from what people have said in the past, maybe even something that I have said that has stung you. And forgive me for that if that's the truth, but or something else that you loved and respected and they said something and then Christianity became about a system, about doing the right thing. I'm inviting you now just to repent and in your heart of hearts say to Jesus, Jesus, I'm just going to trust you. It's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, I pray, come and would you just reorientate our lives, realign us again with your ways. Help us to see you, Jesus. This afternoon, we want to follow you afresh. This coming week, we want to follow you afresh. We just ask, Holy Spirit, come and fill us. And if you're somebody who's, who's never actually said, I okay, I'm going to trust Jesus with my life. I want to invite you to, to repent and to turn away and to say, no, that's, I live, was living that way, but I'm now going to trust in Jesus. Not myself, but you. We say, come, Lord. And if that is you, I just invite you again in your heart of hearts to say, Jesus, I'm going to trust you for the rest of my life. And I'm going to trust that your Holy Spirit is going to come and fill me afresh that I might know your joy. So we ask to come. Holy Spirit.
Breathe in afresh. Breathe in afresh that the cool air of the gospel of Jesus. Breathe in afresh the, the life-giving knowledge that Jesus was with the Father before the beginning of time. He performed all sorts of miracles. He went to the cross, was punished for your sin miraculously came back to life and loads of the disciples saw him and now he speaks to you a word of grace and kindness and love Holy Spirit we pray